You're listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Welcome back to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans from the West Coast. I'm your host, Zach Moore. Today is Wednesday, December 28th, and I'm very happy to be joined once again by fellow South Stands contributor Paige Van Horn from Denver. PBH, how's it going, my friend? Going well, buddy. Good to speak with you. Didn't think we'd be doing this again this year. So this is an added bonus podcast. I love it. <laughs> yes, it is. We are also joined by fellow contributor Chad Plummer from Cleveland. CP, what's the word from the 216? Good evening, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> what's up? It's good to be back on here. Uh, just to uh, piggyback on what my boy PBH said. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really good to be back on here. There was a, uh, we were given a, a gift. We are given a gift. Second life. Yeah. Well, it's nice that we're actually talking about a playoff game and not some meaningless bowl game. I guess in our case, it might have been the Orange Bowl or something had Ohio State not qualified for the playoff. But thankfully, they have. And we are here to preview that game. It's number four, Ohio State versus top seed number one, Georgia in the Peach Bowl. That's this Saturday night in Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. The line has held at Georgia minus six and a half, to the best of my knowledge, and the over-under is still 62. The game is an 8 p.m. kick on ESPN. This is Ohio State's first ever appearance in the Peach Bowl, by the way, guys. They have never played uh, in that game, and they've actually never played in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So two firsts for Ohio State. This is the last of the wow, New Year's six games that Ohio State has not yet played in. And for what it's worth, ESPN's matchup predictor gives the Buckeyes a 42.4% chance of beating the Bulldogs. Now, I'm not sure how they tabulate that percentage, and I'd be willing to bet it doesn't accurately reflect how the people who are paid to cover the game of college football actually see this game. I'm guessing far less than 42.4% of the so-called experts are picking Ohio State to win this game. But uh, at least ESPN seems to think Ohio State has a puncher's chance. So I recorded a primer podcast on Christmas Day with a bunch of the key stats that we always mention in these matchups. So I'm not going to regurgitate too many of those numbers today. If you're interested in diving into that stuff, I invite you to check out that pod. So gents, let's get right to it. I'd like to know where each of you sees advantages for Ohio State on both sides of the ball in this game, as well as where you may have concerns on each side of the ball. PVH, I'm going to start with you. Give me your view of the Ohio State offense against the Georgia defense. Where do you see advantages for the Buckeyes in that matchup? And what are your concerns? Yeah, good pod, <clears throat> by the way. Um, Thanks, buddy. Somewhat depressing on Christmas Day, I have to say. <laughs> I didn't come out of it feeling all warm and fuzzy about uh, our chances, and um, curious of your concernometer, but that's uh, that's okay. That's okay, um, I, dude. It's you know advantages. We know where the advantages are. Um, you know, if they have a weakness, it's their secondary, and one team's been able to exploit it, and nobody's been able to run on them. To me. Dude, I've been, I've been all over the map on this. Chad's all over my ass for being too negative. <laughs> um, you, you know, I mean, um, other than the night when USC won that game, I haven't been super excited about this game. Um, simply, and I, I don't know, you know, maybe that's a good sign, right? A, mm. You know, contrarian sign. <laughs> but to me, you know, like on, on, dude, I think they're, I think they run the ball. And, and if I'm Ryan Day, this right. is what I would do. I would, I, my first possession, and it looks like it's going to be Hayden, which makes me very happy. I'm on, on the record here, or hopefully, who knows? I could be totally wrong about that also. Um, I'd run the ball. I'd yeah. run the ball three times up the middle and just see what the fuck happens. And I think that would accomplish two things. Number one, it's going to say something to your team and your offensive line that I believe in you and we're not afraid and we're not going to back down and like it's that. going to break a tendency of what everyone thinks Ohio state could or should do. And I think they can have success. I, I have a sneaking suspicion that when you play injured running backs for a whole season, <laughs> maybe your run game has been, you know, somewhat marginalized, un, underutilized. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> crazy. So I don't think he'll do it. Um, but I, 
that's what I would do. I would come out, I would run the ball straight up the middle three times, even if it's third and three. And if you don't get it, you punt and then, you know, maybe you go to plan B, but if you can have success by doing that, then it will totally open up the passing game and it'll totally open up play action. Because I think what's happened the last few games, you know, going back to Iowa is teams are just saying, look, you're not going to beat us over the top. We're going to take Harrison away. Right. Mm. And so it's going to have to be somebody else. And Abuka's is good, but he's not Harrison. He's certainly not Alave. He's certainly not Wilson. One guy, you know, take away what a high state wants to do. If I know the, where the weakness is, I was, you know, talking to my dad about this and we were laughing. It's like the, the Georgia secondary and, you know, our strength against their, if I know that, Ryan Day knows that. Well, guess who else knows that? Kirby Smart knows that. And so does <laughs> Will Muschamp. They know that. So don't you think they're going to come up with something to take that away and make those guys come up and not just sit back in too deep? And then you can have success with the passing game. But if you can't run the ball, it's going to be tough sledding, even though I know they're very, very hard to run against. That's what I would do. I like it. Just to your point, Paige, yeah, what we've learned over the last couple of days is that Mayan Williams is not participating in practices. He did not participate today. He was absent. They're saying he's, quote, under the weather. Uh, we don't know what that means. He was supposed to be interviewed. I believe it was yesterday. And instead, they sent Chip Trainum in his place. And uh, the word is today that, yes, Dallin Hayden was practicing with the first team at running back. I just want to throw that in there as we're talking about the Ohio State run game. So you like Ohio State to come out, try and punch Georgia right in the mouth, right where their their strength is, running the football and see if you can have some early success that will open things up in the pass game. How about UCP? How do you uh, see this matchup of Ohio State versus the Georgia defense? What, what will you be watching for? Well, I, I think we come out immediately throwing screen passes and a couple <laughs> oh no, no outs down the sidelines no. to, to Mayan Williams <laughs> uh, you know what I I've been a big big uh, big fan big backer of Ryan Day um, I'm not quite sure what happened where the playing not to lose mm. um kind of playbook started to come into like the you know into the scene um after the after but, the bye week i think we started to see a shift in right. the play calling i think that's just my opinion but yeah go no, ahead i mean you're probably right but you know what i i think he knows that um i think he's been told that i think it's been brought to his attention more than once um so i think that you know play calling is going to be a lot different than what it's been um you know, we, we, we will need to establish the run game. Obviously that Georgia front seven is uh, pretty, you know, they're loaded. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, that offensive line is not, you know, they're, they're not like a, uh, you know, a Mac liver. Like, offensive yeah, they're not line, top, you know? yeah, exactly. Right. They're one of the top offensive lines of the country. So I think those guys, I mean, I could think, um, They've just been like harped on. They've been like, you know, trying to get as close to the unit as possible. And I feel like, you know, to Paige's point, we established the run game. Um, I don't know about three right up the gut, right out of the gate, but I mean, maybe the first couple. Um, you know, I don't I don't want it to get like our first first series. I don't want it to be third and third and nine. You right. know what I mean? Right. But uh I agree. We definitely have to establish. I, I do not want to see one fucking screen pass in that. Category, <laughs> not one. Um, I would be so happy if we didn't. But no, I mean, I think there's. I mean, uh, that's a lot of time to evaluate. I mean, you look at what um, you know, a couple of teams have done on you know, you know Georgia this year. I mean LSU for that matter. Like I mean, like they put up what like I don't know how many passing yards. Five over five hundred yards. LSU passing. did, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's not like, you know, they can, they, they, we can play with these guys. I mean, it's just the bottom line. And, you know, going back to what Paige said earlier, I really haven't like been, you know, in like engulfed in, you know, after the Michigan game, I kind of went into a, uh, just kind of like depression. Numbness. How many times did you call the suicide hotline? <laughs> no, I, they were like, I was like, Hey, I, I'm going to need to speak to Mary at least 15 times. And like Mary was like, I think she took vacation for two weeks. It's like, just because she was calling took so many calls from Chad. Yeah, exactly. It's Chad again. But I'm excited, man. I, I think, you know, I think he's going to like, 
he's going to make some, and I, and I said this in Michigan, he's going to open up the playbook, but like, I mean, obviously he didn't. That was some of the worst play calling that we've seen. We know he can manage a game with play calling. And it just, it seems like the last two or three games, it just went like, as you said, after the bye, it just went like, what, what the fuck is going on here? Mm-hmm. But, you yeah. know, I think that he had, a, he's had a little, uh, few very deep looks at himself while brushing the teeth and, and realizes he's got to get back to, you know, why he is, you know, an offensive, uh, so-called guru. So I, I think we're going to see some different things in this game and, I, and I'm excited. I, I like it. I like it. So I want to, I want to hit on two things that each of you hit on, um, you know, and I said it on the Christmas day pod and I'm not going to belabor it here, but my primary concern is how well the interior of the Ohio state offensive line holds up against Georgia defensive tackle, Jalen Carter. And we're, we're now learning that right guard, Matthew Jones, looks to be healthy. He was seen in full pads and running with the first unit in videos of Ohio State practices today. Kevin Wilson said yesterday that Jones has been healthy and practicing. So if he is indeed available and can play, well, then Ohio State has a chance to be at its best on the offensive line. Now, whether you know, their best uh, is going to be enough against Jalen Carter and that Georgia defensive front. We shall see. But but that is some good news that we've, we've gotten this week on, on that front. Did he front. play against Michigan or was he out? He was out. Yeah. 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 He did not play. He was injured in the Maryland game. Now, second to that, and, and CP, this is kind of echoing what you've said, and this is probably more important, and that is the offensive game plan and play calling from Ryan Day. Day's play calling, and also I think the use of some of his personnel, again, in my view, this is after the bye week when I started to notice it, and down the home stretch of the regular season, seemed to really lack any identifiable plan, right? I mean, how many more failed toss sweeps with Mayan Williams to the boundary and blown up bubble screens to Mecca Buka do we have to watch before Day is finally convinced those plays just are very well suited to his personnel? And You've you know, hit our quota. Right. It, yeah, it, yeah I, same. I, I've hit my quota, Overload. that's for sure. I, and it's a moot point at this stage because he's injured and he's not going to play. But why wait until the penultimate game of the regular season to get Trey Henderson involved in the passing game? I mean, Henderson had 23 receptions for 285 yards and four touchdowns last year. As, as a receiver this this season he had four receptions for 28 yards and you know why are you throwing to Kate Stover on fourth down against Michigan when you have Marvin Harrison Jr. why does Dallin Hayden only get two carries against Michigan after rushing for 143 yards and three touchdowns in the second half against Maryland the week before PVH you were all over that in the last pod you know after that game so I'm I just crazy. didn't it's right I mean these are a curious head scratching decisions both on the play calling front and the use of his personnel and it just didn't really feel like Day had opposing defenses on their heels as much after the bye week as he did before um, and, and they did seem to kind of lose his feel for the game as a play caller down the stretch. And if that continues against Georgia, they're going to get run out of the building. So to your point, CP, you've already made this point. Day has to have a better plan and call a much better game than he did over the last half of the regular season. I really hope he's used the last five weeks, uh, you know, to, to his advantage, right? He's had some time to work that stuff out. PBH, I want to kick this back to you. Anything else you want to mention about the Ohio State offense against the Georgia defense? One of the things you said, you know, you know, like in a game like this, you go to your best players and Harrison Jr. and don't throw to Kate Stover. Yes. I kind of feel like you you, you can take a guy away, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I feel like, and I, I said this before, they, you know, opposing defenses have done that and Day hasn't adjusted to it. And right. we've seen him be stubborn in the past. Um, you know, I, I there's there's somebody hopefully, right. We're going to need more than Marvin Harrison jr. For sure. Right. And, you know, and you know, the other thing is, you know, people are like, well, CJ has got to play out of his head and blah. No, I think CJ has got to play a good game. Right. Don't try and be a hero. Just play a good game. Mm-hmm. You know um, if there are six yards, you know, on a broken pass play, take the six yards, right. We're going to need him to do that. Yeah. I don't expect take those check downs. Take yeah. those check downs. You're we're going to have to have those mm-hmm. um, to keep, you know, possession of the ball, move the chains. And the other point, which was, you know, you were spot on on this. D- stop the fucking penalties, right? Oh, God. Like, the, the drive killing penalties. Like, oh, my God. You know, it's first and 15, you know, we, we were life and death when it was Maryland against Georgia. We're done, you know? Right. So if the over under on false starts for Dwan Jones is, you know, <laughs> 2.5 and we, we go over on that, we're probably going to lose this game because we haven't shown the ability to overcome them and, you know, get a first down, right. They're going to have to play, 
you know, they're not going to have to play a perfect game. CJ's not going to have to be superhuman. We've got the skilled players. We've got the talent to play. Just play a good game, play a sound, good game, call a good game. And someone else, Harrison and CJ Stroud, like that's, you know, that's table stakes. Those guys have to have good games, be factors in this game. And give me one or two other guys. Maybe it's a book of, maybe it is Cade Stover, um, you know, or Hayden or something else. Maybe Julian Fleming finally comes out of hibernation, right? I mean, where the hell has he been? We haven't heard from him since the Iowa game. I mean, it's been two months since he's caught a touchdown, but, but yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I, I guess the point that I made on the Christmas day pod was lean on the guys who got you here and, you know, don't leave us wondering what could have been if only you know, we would have gone more to, to Marvin Harrison Jr. I personally think Harrison Jr. needs 15 to 20 targets in this game. I don't know if you remember against Penn State, he had about that many targets and he he converted on several huge third downs for them. And I'd rather go down swinging with my best players. Uh, and if we're just not good enough, okay, fine. But I just would hate to feel like, you know, to wonder what could have been if only we would have gone to Harrison Jr. more, if only we could have gone to Ibuka more, you know, and, uh, you know, and, instead of throwing multiple times on key fourth downs to Cade Stover, who, you know, again, no disrespect to Stover. He's had a hell of a season. He has far exceeded expectations, but he's a role player. He's yeah, not one no, of your stars. I, Make sure the stars shine in games like this. You win games like this with your stars, I guess was the point I was trying to make. Anyway, yeah, go ahead, and PBA. That's a fair point. No, and absolutely. They're going to have to have big games, but we're going to need more than that. Right? That's, yes, I agree with that too. I agree. This yeah, absolutely. And I just think they're, you know, I think teams look at Ohio State and they say, that's the guy we're going to take away. And, you know, I don't go back and watch film and, you know, God knows I could never watch that Michigan game. You know, if you paid me a million dollars, you and me both, my friend, not a chance. Um, but, you know, I, I just kind of wonder, you know, if, if teams are have just sort of decided, hey, we're going to take this player away. Mm-hmm. We're going to make these. And if these other guys can beat us, then, you know, then fine. We tip our hat. Well, we um, have the talent to like have those players step up and, and do that. One thing I will say that I, I, I stood this out on the thread the other night that Stroud is going to have to play a game that he, like that, that he's letting this all out there. The NFL draft, fuck that. I've got to go out there and win this game. I have a chance to unscathe my legacy by beating Georgia and going to the national championship. And he needs to lay it all out there. It does feel like we've not seen enough playmaking from CJ Stroud, you know, in these last few games. I mean, he's making throws from the pocket and we know he's as good as anybody in the country at doing that. But right. and it doesn't necessarily mean taking off and running for 20 yards. It might be making some, you know, evading pressure and making some really difficult throws on the run as he did against Notre Dame. Remember right. some of the the throws he made on the run on the sidelines, the one to to uh, Mayan Williams in the fourth quarter of that game, uh, in the late going to extend a drive. Uh, it does feel like he's been a little short on the playmaking front, right? He certainly was against Michigan. I mean, his his stat line looked fine, you know. I mean, for the most part, I think he threw for over three hundred and fifty yards. But you know, I think even he would tell you he didn't make enough plays. By no means am I trying to like you know expect him to go out there and be Jesus Christ superstar or anything like that. Like Paige said, I mean, you know, like you don't have to like, you know, have the game of your life, but just like, like you said, like, well, that would be Z. nice if he did. I mean, it would be yeah, nice. Hey, this is a Heisman right, finalist be. we're talking about though. And, and I'm, that's I mean, the, I, right. that's the type of player. I think that CJ Stroud would tell you he aspires to be. So I don't think that's asking too much CP. I mean, I think right. it, go out and make plays, go out and show the world why you're one of the country's best quarterbacks, why you're going to be a first round draft pick in, you know, whatever it is, three or four months. Uh, go out and make well, those plays. You know, to, if you think about it, not to interrupt you, he was probably he had probably played his last game as a Buckeye mm-hmm. after Michigan. I agree with that. He's not going to play in a bowl game. He wouldn't have played. He, he did not. He, does he strike you as the type of guy that's going to play in a bowl game? He, he no. no, maybe Orange he would. Bowl, but he's not playing. He's not playing. He's not playing. So, you know, if any, Ryan Day's getting a second life. So CJ Stroud, I don't know if there's anything on the line for him, you know, as far as impressing scouts. And I mean, I, I suppose he could, you know, really, you know, 
move up in the draft from, you know, a top 10 player to, you know, maybe a top three player. If he just crushes these next, if he gets by Georgia and he wins a national championship and just plays out of his head, um, I guess, but the motivation has to be more than that, right? He has to care about his legacy. And I think he does. To me, he strikes me as a player who cares about his legacy. You know, the legacy that he leaves behind uh, here at at Ohio state. And I, I, candidly don't know if i believe that oh maybe okay. he does a little bit i think we i think we as fans want them to to, sure. to really want it more than of course maybe th- that we want it um i mean i'm sure he doesn't feel you know great about being owned to against michigan but when he cashes that first check and he gets 15 million deposited in his bank account you know because he's now an nfl quarterback i think he's going to be okay right <laughs> right um you know like Cardell Jones gets to go to Barnes's, you know, tailgate now because he's a national championship winning quarterback. I think he would rather, you know, still be cashing NFL checks. Not done. <laughs> <laughs> so I, but, but I do think it's interesting that, you know, he's getting a second life here. He's not probably playing another game in a Buckeye uniform unless USC knocks off or gets knocked off by Utah. It's a good point. Um, what do you do with it? Yeah. You know, CJ, I don't know. I'm like, we don't live in his head. You know, he's pretty, he's a pretty stoic guy, you know, um, He's not from Ohio, he's from California, you know? And I think maybe that's part of what's missing from this team is a little bit of that Ohio dog, right? Like mm. the Darren Lees of the world, mm-hmm. you know, that are just going to run through a brick wall that maybe, maybe that's CJ. I'm not quite what? sure. I, we, we haven't seen. It's a question he needs to answer. He strikes me as a guy who cares about his legacy and really does want to leave something special behind at Ohio State before he moves on to the next level. I could be wrong about that, but we're about to find out because uh, Georgia will draw that out of him, <laughs> you know, very early uh, in this game, I, I would assume. Uh, gents, anything else you want to say about the Ohio State offense against the Georgia defense before we flip it around? No, I- your X Factor player. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Okay. CP, I'll let you answer that question. You go first. I'm going to go as a unit and I'm going to say the O-line. I like that. I like that. If we believe that Ohio State can have some success running the ball, then I'm going to say Dallin Hayden is my X factor. How about you, PBH? I mean, I would say Hayden too, but since you took him, I'm going to go with Abuka. Have a big game. Yes. Yeah, a lot of people forget about him. This this guy who, you know, had over a thousand receiving yards himself. And upwards of eight or nine uh, touch receiving touchdowns, yep. and he's yeah. a versatile Guys, guy. Gonna, Actually, no, you know what? I'm going to switch that. I'm I'm going to take. C- I'm going with Fleming. I'm taking CP's boy, Fleming. Okay, Fleming. The, the, I mean, what a, what an opportunity for that guy to oh, change the narrative. Yeah, change the narrative, and uh, boy, I tell you, it would be just in the nick of time. I mean, I was about to put him on the on the on a milk carton because well, where, where the hell has he been? <laughs> right? I, mean, I love the milk carton. <laughs> the milk carton. We got to you know what? For the pot, like... next pot. Who's the milk carton? <laughs> Who's your milk carton Buckeye I mean, he, player? He was like he was balling out all um, until we got to. Um, uh, there was like a, a dramatic fall off, but like up up until that, man, he was making plays. I think he had a streak of yeah, four or five I, consecutive games with a touchdown catch, but his last touchdown catch was against Iowa. Oh God. It's been a long time. And then he started getting the dropsies and, you know, he's, he's a forgotten man in the offense. And, uh, he you know, should be a factor in the offense with Ibuka and Harrison, right? Like he should be in. Is he in the slot? No, and he's on the outside. Ibuka is the slot. Ibuka is in the slot. Call, dude. Yeah, I really like that call. I Just do. possession receiver, man. Like eight yards. You know, like we don't need home runs every single time. Just move the chains. See, now I would argue that I would argue the opposite of that. I think Fleming's real value is stretching the field as a deep threat, as a big guy who can go up and take balls away from smaller defensive backs. And I, I think that's what, you know, that's the position he plays. He's meant to be the guy who's supposed to take the top off a of defense. Ibuka's mm-hmm. your possession guy out of the slot. But either way, I'll take whatever. Whatever Julian yeah. Fleming can fucking give me, I'll take it. Whether it's, you know, I just will- moving the chains on first down or something, you know, an 80-yard touchdown catch, I'll take it. All Before right, so we I'm- move off the offense, though, I do want to say one thing. And you guys can take this with a grain of salt. But Mayan Williams will be playing on on Saturday night. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. You heard it here. Okay. I mean, I, I, you know, we <laughs> I said this over text. I just don't know how I could have any faith in that, given how injuries have gone in the running back room this year. And it's a bad sign. It's Wednesday. 
The game's in fucking three days, CP, and he didn't even practice today. So that's a bad sign. But you you could be right. I'm not saying that, you know, I want to try and be positive about this as well. But the positivity for me has to be grounded in reality. And he's not, you know, he's been in and out of the lineup. Williams has the entire second half of the season. I mean, what what makes you say that? It, is do you have some well, intel? Well, you know, I, I I just feel like you know, it's I, I read a quote from uh, from Chip. Train and, him. And yep, and it just makes me feel like that he's going to be good to go. What was the quote? Um, um, I mean, like verbatim. I think I, I'm gonna. Yeah, like, He's under the I'm, weather. It sounds like he has a cold. That's what they say, under the weather, but, you know. But, I, yeah, I, so basically in a nutshell. Do you like, believe anything Ohio State says about injuries? No. I don't believe a fucking word they say about injuries. Look, no. if he's on the field and Ohio State's first possession of the game, then I'll believe he's playing. Until then, like, uh, you know, he wasn't at practice today. This is three, three days yeah. before the game. I, that's not a good sign. Regardless. Um, yeah. Regardless. Like you said, I, I'm going to, like, jump along with you guys, like, like Hayden, he like Dallin proved that like the guy can carry a load. So you know what I mean? Yeah. And you got Chip like a short yardage. Chip like, training I mean, was good against Michigan, fine. man. Yes. He was exactly. good against Michigan. That, that was another thing was with, really that was so good. frustrating about that game is Ryan Day went away from him in the second half. But I thought Trainum was really, really good in the first half of that game. All right, fellas. If we're done talking about the Ohio State offense against the Georgia defense, let's flip it around. PBH, I'll start with you. Do you see any advantages for the Buckeye defense against Georgia? And what are your concerns? No, in the secondary, right? It's pretty, pretty. (laughs) It's been our concern all year long. Um, Miss tackle, just play a good game. You know, again, like to your point, don't have missed tackles, you know, when you're an all out blitz situation and have a eight yard hitch, go for a touchdown. Like that shit can't happen, right? Mm -hmm. We'll lose if that happens. Um, you know, I, 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 I think, you know, we might have an advantage. I mean, if Hall's healthy, get Harrison could have a big game, you know, Hamilton to Emolo out JTT, Jack Sawyer, right? Sawyer's playing better as well. Yeah. Teron Vincent, like the, come on boys, you're all four and five star and most of you are five star, right? You're going to have to play a great game. Um, and you know, play, play like they played in the first half against Michigan and don't have those mistakes. Yeah. Um, you know, George is going to put up points, right? Like we're just going to have to, you know, deal with it. Um, if there's any advantage, I think it would be those guys. I'm, but they're going up against a great offensive line. Yeah. And they play 12 um, personnel most of the game too, with an extra tight end, right? They have two giant right. tight ends. It's just hard to get pressure on them. On, on uh, you know, on Stetson Bennett because they are in twelve personnel the whole game with well, an extra okay, tight end. So let's go back to one of our, our, our I don't know axioms or our. <laughs> right. If you're if you're uh, if your best offensive player and it, in this case it's ironic because it doesn't hold water. But if your best offensive player is a tight end, right? What are we really talking about? Well, unfortunately, they have two that are probably better than Gronkowski. So. Probably doesn't hold water. <laughs> However, I give. I it, I was thinking about that the other day. It kind of makes me laugh. It's like, well, can can we take away their you know tight like it's you know it's a tight end, right? Like Brock so. Bowers, he's a player. Yeah, I would argue yeah. that Brock Bowers is a wide receiver masquerading as a tight end. I mean, he has wide receiver speed. Um, but but no, I I you know I agree with you. This this is this is what I think in one one instance where maybe that axiom doesn't doesn't hold true i'd say he's a much better jeremy ruckert i think he's you know legit i mean he's the john mackey award winner he's uh well somehow he's only a second team ap all-american notre dame's michael mayer was a first team according to the ap the ap whatever so i actually have a question not that you know you usually quarterback these things sure so maybe i'll kick this to chad right do do we think that Knowles is going to call a different defense, right? Because to your point, like you've said this a lot of times, right? Like he goes for broke in certain mm-hmm. situations and he lives with some big plays. Right. Do we think he changes that philosophy for this game? I don't think he changes the way he's coached for the last, you know, 30 years. I tend to agree. I think Knowles is going to be, is who he is, and he's going to coach up his players to execute better in the moment. And I, I you know, 
for I, do, you, do you think he can be a better coach and not have Cam Martinez on the field? Is that possible? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I think maybe we they situationally when they're talking about you know uh, substitutions and that sort of thing, he's got to be more mindful of who he has on the field and what he what he, yeah for, for sure. I mean, I I think yeah there were moments. So you're saying we're gonna have we're gonna live with some two or three big plays. I think we're so. Not gonna, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I, I think that's how he makes his bones as a defensive coordinator. That's how he's made his reputation. And while it was a you know catastrophic failure of, of scheme and execution against Michigan, it was just one game. And if you look at the other two opponents that Ohio State played that had, you know, good offensive skill players, Penn State and Maryland, uh, the scheme did actually have some positive returns. They forced, I think it was five turnovers and eight quarterback sacks in the two in the two games combined and that included two defensive scores so you know i think he's going to look at the 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 averages and say okay bad day we didn't execute as well as we could have maybe i could have called a better game but scheme wise i think he believes in his scheme Um, right and i like i had read an interesting quote just to kind of like, which is perfect for, you know, what we're discussing right now. But they said, he said like, well, there may have been a couple instances where if in a magic eight ball, you know, which I love the magic eight ball, <laughs> I could go back and change it. Other times I wouldn't change that call. I mean, he's going to still make those calls, man. He's going to like, the, you know, yeah, blitz, you know, there's a couple like, the, I mean, I personally felt like he did not have enough respect for the Michigan skill players. And uh, I think had he had appropriate an appropriate level of fear for the Michigan skill players and for JJ McCarthy, he may have called a slightly less aggressive game. He might've done a better job of mixing up his uh, coverages, disguising his pressures. And I think we'll see that against Georgia. That's where I think he'll, he'll modify things. PBH. It helps that, you know, high state defensively is probably going to be a little healthier. If you've got a Mike Hall Jr. wreaking havoc in the middle of that defensive line, as we think he probably can, as we've seen him do when he's healthy, that could be a game changer. But Dude, I mean, what's the, the alternative? The X Factor milk carton defensive player. <laughs> right. Well, like how many times were we like like texting throughout like the beginning of the season, like in like, you know, the first few games, even before you got hurt, like, oh my God, this dude is like, oh, I was like, at the Notre Dame game. I was at the Notre Dame game and he was a presence on the field. Even when he didn't make the tackle, I mean, he was the 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 pressure that he was putting on Notre Dame's quarterback. And by the way, that's a good Notre Dame offensive line. Um, and so I think if he's healthy and can actually, you know, do what he can do, uh, bringing pressure up the middle, that's certainly going to help, but no, I don't, I don't think Noel's going to change his stripes at this stage of the game. Maybe he makes slight modifications. They're going to give up some, some plays, right? Georgia's got good skilled players and, uh, you know, high state's going to take some chances and we just, we have to hope that the scheme is going to produce a couple of sacks, maybe one or two turnovers in a game like this, it doesn't take much to tip the scales. Maybe it's just no. one, you know, a pick six, one key play where that scheme, the aggressiveness, the pressure they put on on uh, Stetson Bennett uh, makes a difference. Um, but I mean, the, the alternative is you lay back and you let Bennett pick you apart because he's a pretty accurate quarterback and you give him easy throws to his tight ends and running backs. Fuck, that's where he wants to throw the ball anyway. Yeah, all day long. All day long, yards, right? So, so I mean, yards. I think, I think you 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 can't let that happen, and you have to be aggressive. You just pick your poison, and I think they're going to go with the scheme that's going to that has the potential to produce some explosive plays on your side of the ledger. Totally right. Yeah. And and our 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 DBs like there's more like they're just out of position, and it's like I, I you know you can only the coach that so much, but I, I feel like you know you give them five weeks, man. Knowles has had a, like a lot of Cubans, some Tupac, Biggie, <laughs> and some DMX just like ripping there, just watching film the last five weeks, man. I, I, like I'm rooting, like, you know, I mean, it's the over-under for me getting up and throwing shit and like, God damn it, what the, you know, like, right. I, I'm going to be so happy. <laughs> yeah, my big concern on this side of the ball is, and PVH, you referenced it earlier, penalties. I mean, high penalties, mental mistakes, 
Heisley committed a combined 28 penalties for 232 yards against Maryland, Penn State, and Michigan. And I mentioned those opponents because those are the three opponents that had the best skilled talent Ohio State faced in the regular season. And many of those were costly penalties by the Buckeye defense. So, for example, Ronnie Hickman's pass interference in the end zone oh, yeah, on dude, third and 10 on a desperation heave by J.J. McCarthy, giving Michigan a fresh set of downs at the Ohio State two-yard line. Penalties gave Penn State new life two different times on their go-ahead scoring drive in the fourth quarter of that game. Remember that, guys? A pass interference on third and 16 and then a defensive illegal formation on a missed field goal by Penn State that allowed them another crack at converting the first down and keeping the drive alive. And then you have Tommy Eichenberg having, you know, Katron Allen dead to rights in the backfield on fourth and goal, but can't bring him down. Allen scores. Penn State takes the lead. So blown coverages and poor tackling in the secondary. You know, that's, that's another poor thing we just talked about that led to quick and easy points for the opponent, both against Penn State and Michigan. And then against Maryland, you had Lathan Ransom dropping an interception in the end zone. The Terps would end up scoring a couple plays later on that drive. So the Ohio State defense has to limit penalties, coverage mistakes, and missed tackles. They And they got to seize their opportunities when they get them. And if Ohio State can limit those things, both on defense and offense, then I think they have a real chance here, guys. I mean, Georgia didn't really have to sweat in its two biggest games of the season, I'm talking about Tennessee and then LSU in the SEC title game, because penalties, mental mistakes, and missed opportunities by those opponents helped Georgia build big first half leads. I mean, Tennessee had eight pre-snap penalties against Georgia. Eight. Yeah. I mean, LSU gave Georgia a free touchdown to start the SEC title game on a blocked field goal attempt. The entire LSU special teams walked off the field on the play, not realizing it was still a live ball. And Georgia's safeties, Christopher Smith, he scoops up the ball, runs it all the way back completely untouched for free six points. So it's that kind of shit, right, that Ohio State has to eliminate. And if they One do, thing I will say Z. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Sorry. So, oh, and if they do, it. look, and if if it's 14 to 10 at the half instead of 24 to six, then that puts pressure on Georgia to have to execute in the second half. And the longer the game is close, the more of a chance I give Ohio State. So that's where I I have concerns, but also I can see, you know, a path for Ohio State to win this game if they can eliminate that shit. I'm like as as harsh a critic on these defensive backs that there is, but you know. A lot of these penalties, they're right there. Mm-hmm. The coverage is there. Turn your fucking head towards the ball. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I, it, I, oh, it's so just, yeah. There's been most of those penalties is like because they just aren't looking. They're, they're right with them, stride for stride, but turn around. You know what I mean? You're going to get thrown, you're going to get the, the, the canvas every time. Yep. Turn around. And, yeah. And turn, uh, Whatever you need to do. You're like, don't, Georgia's good enough. Right, it's going to be tough enough to beat them without making those mistakes. So don't help them out, right. like LSU did. No, like, like Tennessee did. Two, don't give us back to like offensive line. Don't move us back to third and seven. That you know what I mean? Just like yeah. on the same side of the, the same side of the. Uh, look, just I just want to see what Georgia is when they're not front running. Right. When they've not been given a 24 six, like, you know, second quarter lead because the other team has, you know, eight pre snap penalties. Right. Make them execute. And then we'll see what they're actually made of. I don't really think they've had to be like, I don't think they've really been all that tested in their biggest games of the season. That's just my view. PVH, how about you? Anything else you want to say about the Ohio State defense against the Georgia offense? Yeah. I mean, I think we can expect a big game out of our defensive line. I think that, you know, like those, they are clearly, you know, the strongest part of our defense. Zach Harrison, you know, JTT, Sawyer, um, they're going to have to wreak havoc. And if they can do that and they can get, you know, uh, Bennett sort of, you know, maybe not rattled, but off his mark, then, you know, then then we have a fighting chance. And again, it, you're right. It's the penalties and the mistakes. Um, Cause probably don't have enough to overcome that again against a team like no. Georgia. But, no, but, I mean, what, but, what, what would the Ohio state Michigan result either? Right? No, of course not. What would the Ohio state Michigan result have been without penalties and mental mistakes? Yeah. I mean, a lot, a very different scenario. I just, you know, so I eliminate that stuff. Now, the problem is, is it's been an issue all season. And I think that's part of the reason why we've not seen Ohio State put together a four quarter performance probably all season. I mean, maybe the Wisconsin game was the most dominant kind of end to end performance that we saw from Ohio State. And then I don't think we saw anything like that since. 
if you go back and look at Georgia's games over the last, you know, they've been given gifts. Like if, if Ohio state, like, let's just say like, if we can just cut those stupid fucking mental mistakes, those penalties in half, mm-hmm. we're in this game. Like, and like we like to the very end. It's interesting. The psyche of this team, because it seems like all season, it's just been a clunky ride. Right. I agree. And, and they have not put it together. Right. Mm-hmm. They've just not played. And you know, it, it might be, you know, one thing in this game or another thing in that game. Um, but you, you always say you want to be playing your best football in November, right? Which clearly they weren't. So can they turn it around, right? And, you know, it's it would kind of be in, I think, you know, my mind somewhat unprecedented, but, you know, you go back to the 2014 team, you know, you didn't think they started that, what, what were they 14th after, you know, when yeah, the I think they were like 16th in the out. first college football playoff rankings, you know? if I'm not mistaken. Get that yeah. life. Like, can they do it? Can they come? Can they just put it put it all together? And again, I don't think they have to play a perfect game. Just play a good game. You you can beat that team. And even if you play a good game, it'll be a competitive game, and they they can definitely hang. I, I mean, think the psyche of the whole thing is kind of interesting too. Ryan Day included, the coaching included, like Jim Knowles, like welcome to the Michigan rivalry, right? Like somewhat humble pie can they as a collective coaching and you know playing uh team put it all together when the stakes are the highest and you know the, the funny part is nobody's giving them a chance but you know who is giving them a chance vegas at seven points that's a chance right like if yeah. you if like if you were to think you know like we would should be a double digit you know uh dog in this game we're not right so just put it together ohio state i I don't know if they can i think the psyche and is you know an interesting factor x factor you can't really put your finger on that kind of stuff but maybe they can do it well they need to look no further than their opponent the team across from them georgia last year right they laid a egg they they shit the bed in the sec title game against bama bama was their michigan Right. And they blew it and they, they were able to, to back in as Ohio State this year as kind of a quote unquote at large. And they were able to write the ship. So it's possible. We've seen it before. We saw Bama win it as a non-champ a few years ago, right after a, a, a bad late season loss. I think it was to, to Auburn or something. So it's possible um, and you know, the, the question is, is Ryan Anything's day in the right body? Anything. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, Hey, look on that note, let's fire up the concernometer PVH. Give us your concernometer score for this game. Oh, I'm going to turn on the light for that. Uh, I mean, dude, we're, <laughs> yeah, what happened to the light bro? You can, well, you know, I got this hydroponic and it's actually not for marijuana. I'm growing my own lettuce and that light turned off. So that's what that was. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. I should have romaine and some butter lettuce here in a couple. couple You're a Colorado through and through, my friend. You, right on, Johnny. Right on. <laughs> hey, dude, psychedelics are legal here, so probably the next thing is going to be it. Anyways, um, yes, yes. Children listen to this podcast, John. <laughs> oh, hi, my nephews. What's up, guys? Yeah, I mean, can can we not? I mean, we have to be at least above an eight, right? Everybody, nine or ten. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no. So I'm a, I'm a nine. You're a nine. 9.5. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Nine for you. How about you, CP? 7.5. 7.5. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, for me, it's a 10, of course. And I think I've already made my case for why it should be a 10. I mean, it the is. lack of an identifiable plan on offense over the second half of the season, a play caller in Ryan Day, who seems to have lost his mojo, a defense that's been entirely too boom or bust and made too many mistakes against the best offensive skill talent it faced during the regular season, an opponent in Georgia, the defending national champs, who will be playing a veritable home game just 70 miles from their campus. So for me, it's a 10. Yeah. The, All right. Can I uh, can I change my concern to me real quick? Sure. Because I came into this since all day long saying I was going to be a 10. Uh-huh. And I am I, I'm I'm going to switch from seven and a half to a ten. You're going to ten. And okay. All right. Do I believe that we can win the game? Yes, but I am going to go like a ten. Okay. It, it is what it is. So we have two tens. We have two tens and PBH, what are you? Eight and a half? No, Which, I'm a nine, but I'm trying okay. to play in with house nine. money too. Like maybe we should have the, the same mindset the team should have, right? Like we shouldn't be here, right? Like you shouldn't, you know, 
2014, baby. You know, like maybe we should be a two. What do we got to lose? We yes. got to fucking lose. You could be playing in the Rose Bowl against, you know, UCLA. Yeah. Just let I, it hang out. And be yeah, absolutely. Let it hang out um, for sure. I, I, there's a lot to lose here, though. I mean, especially for Ryan Day. Reputationally, there's a ton to lose. A loss, however it comes, would still be extremely disappointing. And um, I don't know that we are necessarily playing with house money. I mean, I actually feel like we should be here. That was the goal all along. I mean, we are one of the top four teams in the country. I mean, who are you going to put in instead of Ohio State, right? Not Bama with two losses, not Tennessee. Beyond those two, no one else had an argument. So, um, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, right? I mean, t- 2014, I think, was a bit of a different animal. That's, that's Alabama. That's Nick Saban. Now, that's a dude who's got like more rings than than fingers, you know. So th- that was truly playing with house money. We were true underdogs in that game. I don't know if we're looking at the same kind of underdog matchup against Georgia. I'll tell you what, though, those like unis we're going to be fucking wearing Saturday night are sick. Yeah, they're sick, but also we were wearing the same unis when those same unis when Alabama just beat the shit out of us in the 2020 national title game. Unis are great. Go out and fucking make plays. I don't give a shit. Exactly. No shit. Yeah, I don't give a shit what uniforms you're wearing. I don't care. Go out and make plays. Well, those those stats mean shit, dude. Like the last time the number four, we were number four. We won the national championship. Yeah. So that's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Urban Meyer, the master motivator, was the coach of that team, though. And I just have questions about whether Ryan Day can get his team up for that. Anyway. Okay. Listen, it's time for score predictions, (laughs) boys. Let's go to those PBH. I want to go to you. What's your score prediction for this game? 30-28, dude. We find a way. 30-28. I love it. We find a way. Anything else you want to elaborate on there? I mean, it, it all goes back to what we talked about in this pod, right? I don't think CJ has to be superhuman, play a great game. We're going to need an X factor, you know, Fleming or somebody, you know, just make just no penalties, mm-hmm. I, you know, keep them less than eight, right? Ah, we, right. we will probably, you know, we'll, we'll look back on it. It's like, if you have more than eight penalties and, you know, you're starting two drives, you know, at first and 15 or, you know, first and, you know, 20 from a holding call. Right. Like maybe holding calls or false starts. Yeah, they they could be. Yeah. The false starts. Any of those things. Right. Like, you know, like like our our friend Robert De Niro, you know, good. I can't have it. Henry, I can't have it. Henry, I can't have it. Can't have it. So that's and then, you know, make some plays on defense. Right. Like and live with, you know, they're going to make plays. Right. They're going to score points. Right. Um, you know, if we can limit them to, you know, four touchdowns, we score four touchdowns to get a safety. We win. We walk out of there with a W. Safety, it's beautiful. Uh, <laughs> it's beautiful. It's beautiful. All right, I love it. So 3028 PVH is your. You got it. All right. Okay. All so, touchdowns, one safety. <laughs> the safety is the difference in the game. Okay. I love it. All right. How, how about UCP? Guys, as I let off with this to the podcast. You've been given an opportunity here, guys. Shouldn't be here. Got embarrassed by Michigan at home. The game wasn't as bad as it was. It's the same, but it doesn't regardless. There's been an opportunity given to you, and it is time to figure out the way to grab that and embrace it and breathe it, live it, and take down the number one team Pretty much from wire to wire this entire season. We have the fucking talent. We have the personnel. We can fucking do it. And we're going to. I feel like they're going to reach up and grab that whatever's in front of their face. And they're just going to like just, just take it. And we're going to win this game 35-31. And I'll leave nice. it at that. All right, great. And the sound effects of CP pounding his desk coming through on the podcast just to <laughs> hammer home this point. Like okay. Rock King speech there. Yeah, <laughs> All right. Totally. Should we okay. send that to Ryan? Maybe he would just play that in the locker room before. The- I would love. I would kill to go on that. Like if that was like like if I like, Chad, you're gonna go dress it, address the team, give him a pep if talk. Somebody told me that I had like you know like 15 days to live, whatever. I mean, one of the things I'd be like, let me get in that locker room right now. I mean, like, <laughs> a little bit more than 15 days, but you know what I mean. Do you know who the honorary captain is for Ohio State in this game? I do oh. not. You do not? Mm-mm. Mike Cut Doss. Out. 
Mike Doss. Mike Doss. Oh, Honorary Ken captain. Ken Crippa? Oh, Sloan. Yeah, love it. Going jumping jacks in the living room right now in Brooklyn. <laughs> hey, and I got to give one props out real quick, Steve, hey. before you give yours. Like, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Shout out to Mikey Corcoran for like just being like positive this week. I love it. Yeah, like it, 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 made, it made me smile every day. Yeah, Same actually, I'm glad that you brought that up, uh, CP, because I, I actually was was thinking about Mike Corcoran's comments on our text thread yesterday when I thought about my score prediction. I've already mentioned it, right? You know, according to the 24/7 Team Town Composite, Georgia is number two, High State's number three. Georgia has one more five star than we do, one more four star than we do. That it's basically a draw when it comes to talent and PVH to your question about whether, you know, that's Ohio state just top heavy at receiver at, you know, in, in those five stars, actually that is not the case. You know, 10 of those five stars for Ohio state are non receivers. And, you know, okay. we've already talked about, you know, how Ohio state, well, technically they're an underdog, but it is a little deceptive as Pat 40 likes to say, it was a dress up deception for Ohio state as an underdog. And as Mike, Corcoran said yesterday on our text thread, you know, the dogs are good, but they got one national championship since, since 1980. You know, they've only won the SEC twice during the playoff era. They have five SEC titles since 1982, five SEC titles in 40 years. And this is only their third playoff appearance. ESPN just published a piece entitled How Kirby Smart Built Georgia into College Football's Next Dynasty. I sent you guys a screenshot of that yesterday. And the ESPN College Football Twitter account just tweeted their final score prediction for the national championship game. Georgia 37, Michigan 24. So could we <laughs> could it be that maybe we're assuming a little too much about Georgia? I mean, I know they're in the same conference as Alabama. They're not Alabama. They're not. They're not Alabama. This is not the same matchup as it was in 2014, Ohio State versus that Alabama juggernaut, or 2020 versus that Alabama juggernaut. This is a good Georgia team. No question about it. Like they, they deserve their share of the respect. They are the defending national champions. They're the SEC champs. But it does feel a little bit like maybe they're getting a little too much respect. And the other thing I was thinking, could it be that we're living in a world, and we just don't know it yet, where the Big Ten, at least for one season, has closed the gap on the SEC, and it's actually Michigan and Ohio State that are the two best teams in the country? Well, so to that point, that was just sitting there having coffee with uh, with Joe this morning. He's like, you know, that'd be pretty ironic if Ohio <laughs> State and Michigan played, you know, all the freaking grief that the Big Ten gets. Yeah. if that And, and by the way, it's not out of it's it's not that implausible no it's not implausible at all no i don't think so i i agree with you i mean Mich michigan is favored in their game and ohio state is less than a touchdown underdog in this game and we you know we've already gone through all the reasons where ohio state you know matches up pretty well so look i think ohio state can win this game i just wish i had more faith in ryan day Oh, and no, I, I, like, you, I, I, like I was living, I was on the edge with you. So you just, just stay right there. <laughs> hold, hold on a second, CP. So, I, so I, I just don't know if he's ready for this moment. I'm not saying he's not. I just don't know. And I need to see it. I mean, he hasn't won a big game since the 2020 playoff semifinal against Clemson. The Rose Bowl win was nice, you know, beating Utah. But let's face it. I mean, he hasn't won a, a big game with real stakes since the 2020 playoff semifinal against Clemson. So I, I just don't know if he has what it takes to get his team playing with its hair on fire, despite all the motivational fodder that's out there. And there's a lot of it, a lot of it, a ton. But this is an Ohio State Homer podcast. I can't pick against them. Ohio State 45, Georgia 42. For the record, I'm not feeling super, super confident about that pick, but I am picking Ohio State 45, Georgia 42. You know, to the, the the whole Ryan Day question, right? And we, I was kind of hearing, like, he's never been a head coach before. He's also, you know, he's, you, you can make the argument kind of learning on the job, right? Mm -hmm. And so maybe, you know, he's, you know, learning a little bit after each one of these seasons and these big games. Um, and maybe he can get there. Maybe he can't. We're not quite sure. But the jury is definitely still out. But he's definitely a, a great coach, uh, you know, like they asked, they asked Urban that the other day and like, on like multiple times. And it's like, like, is this a serious question? Yeah. Like, might be able to invite them. He does, well, he is, he's lost way, five he games. He that job because of Urban Meyer, right? right? Right. Let's just be clear, right? For whatever reason, Urban Meyer, and 
you know, hopefully Urban's right. Um, but to your point, Zach, you know, it is, it's, it's a mixed record. Mm -hmm. Um, but like anything, right. Like experience in anything in life, like your careers, you know, like as a normal human being, right. The more you do the shit, oh, okay. Yeah. I would do this different. I would do that. You grow as an individual and hopefully he grows as an individual and he can push those buttons, uh, you know, to motivate this team. Um, and you know, I think, I think he's going to, he's obviously going to need to do it. And I do think it's kind of funny, right? Like they're anointing Georgia, the, the dynasty. It's like the Kansas city chiefs, yeah. right? You're the dynasty of one. You've won Dude, one. They haven't done shit. Yeah. You've got one. So I, I do feel like we're getting a little over our skis, uh, uh, you know, about Georgia. I mean, there's no question about it. I mean, and, 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 you know, that, that is something that a good coach can harness and there's a lot of motivate his team between, with between now and Sunday morning. But I'll tell you what, if our score predictions come to fruition, I'm gonna like I, I, I'm gonna be so excited to see you motherfuckers in LA. You know what I mean? <laughs> At the nat- national gym. Well, first you things know I'm, first. I'm gonna be excited to see you running down the streets of Cleveland naked with that Buckeye oh, flag. Yes. <laughs> oh, totally. I 100 well. And if I hadn't already started smoking, I would give up smoking if we could win this game. Yeah, one thing I will say about Ryan Day is that his teams had, you know, it's small sample size, but he his teams have played well in CFP semifinals, right? I mean, we, we know they should have beaten Clemson in in 2019, and yeah. they bushwhacked them in 2020. So his teams show up and play well typically in the semifinal games. And, and I think we all agree. I think they'll at least play well. They'll compete. They'll play hard. I don't think I would be very, very surprised if they get embarrassed in this game. Very surprised and obviously disappointed. But I, I think they're going to come out swinging and I think That's they're going to so. take the fight to Georgia and we'll see if it'll be good enough. Hey, can we give a quick shout out to uh big Joe Van Horn? Who's oh, in yeah. Denver? All right. Big shout out, Mr. Van Horn. Watch the game with Joe. Oh yes, there will be a large contingent uh, here at uh, ten sixty Locust. Uncle Bill uh, going to be making it. Yeah, Uncle Bill. <laughs> Uncle Bill. Okay. He's holed up in uh, Lake Tahoe, Incline Village. He'll probably be all right uh, hanging out there. But yeah, no, there'll be uh, there'll be a there'll be a whole crew here. And as yeah. Zach famously said at Bayside 15 years ago, or actually 25 years ago to the people that aren't Ohio State fans, because it is New Year's, uh, people, this is not a fucking social event for me. <laughs> yeah. And it's not. And it well, continues well, not to be that. a social event for me because I'll be watching it all by myself locked in our guest room uh, with, you know, <laughs> pillows, you know, glued to the wall. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I'll be watching it by myself and it's just better that way. It's been... You know, I've not I've not been any fun to watch Ohio State games with. Around. Yeah. All right, guys. Hey, listen, th- let's turn our attention to the other CFP semifinal between TCU and Michigan. I want to have a, a look at that game real quick. That's going to be played in the Fiesta Bowl in Glendale, Arizona. The game is a 4 p.m. Eastern kick on ESPN. The line is Michigan minus seven and a half. The over under is 58 and a half. This will be the first meeting between these two schools, actually, on the gridiron. Michigan comes into this game, as we all painfully know, 13 and 0 as a, your Big Ten champs. TCU is 12 and 1. The Horn Frogs' only loss was an OT to Kansas State in the Big 12 title game. Let me just go through a, a few numbers here to inform your picks, boys, before we, we before we get to those. TCU comes into this game 15th nationally in total offense. They're 10th in offensive yards per play, so pretty good offense. They're 25th nationally in both passing offense and rushing offense. Now, defensively, leads a little something to be desired. 74th in total defense. They're 55th in defensive yards per play. They're 65th in rushing defense and 83rd against the pass. Horn Frogs are led by Heisman finalist quarterback Max Duggan, who's completing 65, 65% of his passes with 30 touchdown passes to only four INTs. Duggan is also TCU's third leading rusher with 404 yards rushing and six rushing TDs. That stat right there is something to pay attention to in this matchup. Wide receiver Quentin Johnson and running back Kendra Miller are other players to watch for the TCU offense. Those are good players. Now on defense, keep your eye on senior quarterback Travius Hodges Tomlinson. He's the, this year's Thorpe Award winner, and he's the nephew of TC legend and NFL Hall of Famer Ladanian Tomlinson. So mm. keep your eye on him. He's a good player. Now we're all very familiar That's with Michigan. Cool. 
Yeah. We're very familiar with Michigan, but I'm going to go through some numbers anyway. Then we'll get to your your picks. Wolverines come to this game 27th nationally in total offense. They're 19th in offensive yards per play. And naturally, they're fifth nationally in rushing offense. We know they can run the ball. That's what they want to do. They're still way down at 92nd nationally in passing offense. But don't let that stat fool you. J.J. McCarthy had a very strong finish to the season with six total touchdown passes against Ohio State and Purdue in the Big Ten title game. Now, on the other side of the ball, Michigan is third nationally in total defense, defensive yards per play, and rush defense. They're 23rd against the pass. They're led by, of course, the aforementioned J.J. McCarthy, a quarterback. Star running back Blake Corm had season-ending knee surgery. He's not going to play in this game. But, uh, you know, I don't think it really matters because Donovan Edwards, man, he's been magnificent stepping in as the number one back for the Wolverines. I don't know about you guys. I think Edwards is the better back. I mean, to me, he looks like, you know. Yeah. He's uh, got explosive play. He's got the game-breaking the ability. Basketball. Totally, yeah. He's kind of having this the, a sophomore year that's similar to Zeke Elliott. Zeke Elliott really came on toward the end of the year and just started, he just went berserk, putting up, you know, video game numbers. Edwards is having that kind of late season push that uh, Elliott did his sophomore season. Now, Michigan also brings the nation's best offensive line into this game. The Michigan O-line is the Joe Moore award winner for the second year in a row. Okay, fellas, let's get to our picks. PVH, who do you like in this game? I was just envisioning like three TCU schmoes that went there having some <laughs> podcasts, just like we are and coming up with reasons how TCU, I did. I think Michigan just, I think it'll be close, but I think Michigan just kind of wears them, wears them down. Um, Which is kind of how know, it's gone all season, right? It, the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, like I, they, they I don't panic. Two, they don't panic if it's they, a close game at half panic. at the yeah. half. Right. Yeah, right. Like, I mean, I was thinking about like the Illinois game, like, which again, maybe that got us over our skis. Like, really, this is the team that's going to come in and beat Ohio State in Ohio State. And that fooled yeah. everybody. That fooled Illinois everybody. game. I'm convinced it fooled everybody, even the coaching staff. Yeah. Um, but I just think Michigan wears them down. I think it'll be a tight game, but probably ends up somewhere, you know, like 38 to 28 um michigan just pulls away they just do what they want to do mm-hmm. um so you, you know, like the over in this game it sounds like yeah 38 28 uh, i didn't what I, didn't, I missed it what what is the over uh the over is 58 and a half yeah yeah barely don't rub that um, hard don't rub that head too hard oh dude yeah I, math i quit doing math a long time ago. <laughs> um but I love us. um yeah i just think you know i mean tcu maybe i don't know puncher's chance same with us but actually i think we have a better chance i'm done with that saying i actually can't that fuck that we have way better than a puncher's chance <laughs> um but i do think michigan pulls this out 38 28 38 28 cp i'm gonna go michigan 27 tcu 26 so you like the under if my math is right okay uh, look, I, I think Max Duggan is a hell of a player, and I, so I think he I. gives the Horn Frog a, a, a chance in this game. I mean, Quentin Johnson, if he's healthy and can play, I know he's been dealing with some some injuries. He's a big, rangy receiver. He's cut from the same mold as Marvin Harrison Jr., six foot four, and he could give the Michigan secondary some problems. I think Kendra Miller is a really good back for TCU. He ran for over thirteen hundred yards this season. He's averaging over six yards a carry. I, I think back to the Big Ten title game. Purdue hung around with Michigan in that game. And I know Michigan, PBH, as you said, they kind of slowly, methodically wear teams down. They don't panic if it's a close game at the half or in the third quarter. But that was a nine-point game early in the fourth quarter. The Boilermakers moved the ball pretty well, actually outgained Michigan, 456 to 386. Purdue just couldn't execute in the red zone. They had to settle for five field goals. And we remember Ohio State put up nearly 500 yards on Michigan, 492 yards of total offense. Same deal, right? We just couldn't execute in the red zone. But what TCU has that Ohio State and Purdue don't is a quarterback that can really run in Duggan. And I think that could make a difference in the red zone. I think this is going to be a high scoring game. I think Michigan wins it, but I don't think they cover. And I think these teams hit the over. Michigan 34, TCU 31. That's funny because I was like, God damn, he's taking TCU. And then yeah. you still took Michigan. So, <laughs> it still yeah, took Michigan. That was a good that was a good fake out. Bro. Yeah. Well, you know, I just I just don't know if TCU has enough defensively to to stop Michigan. And, you know, because they're they're in the lower half of the FBS and a lot of defensive statistics. So I think it's gonna be tough to get off the field for that that TCU defense. But 
uh, I, I like I like Duggan. Yeah, it'll be a good game for sure. And yeah, TCU. They. Doug, I heard Duggan's Harbaugh's easy. wearing khaki pants for the game. Really? Newsflash. I did hear that. Yeah. <laughs> well, he just yeah. wants you know he's the best of the best and going to play the best and hopefully we do our best. Did you hear? <laughs> a really good team. Hey, one thing real quick. I was circling back to Ohio State Georgia. Uh, I'm just seeing this tweet by one of the Georgia beat writers. Uh, they're starting right tackle Warren McClendon and their best wide receiver, Lad McConkie. Neither of them practiced today. And they were both injured against LSU in the first half of the SEC title game. They didn't come back in the second half. Those would be pretty big losses for Georgia if they're down there starting right tackle. And especially McConkie. McConkie is Bennett's security blanket. He, he's their version of Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, so that would be a pretty pretty big loss for them. Anyway, just want to mention that because I just saw that on Twitter. Z, breaking yeah. news from the BDB. Is that from the BDB? It, it is. <laughs> nice work, Z. Bell, Bell Pre Daily Beast, breaking news again. Yes. Bell Pre Daily Beast. There's no podcast. You heard it right here. <laughs> right here first <laughs> All right, fellas, listen, we are well over an hour. That is a very nice effort for a Wednesday. Why don't we end things there and plan to reconvene sometime next week to recap this game. Hopefully we will be talking about an Ohio State win and a berth in the national title game. Until then, thanks so much for listening, everybody, and go Bucks. You've been listening to the South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and visit our website at southstandsosu.com.